0: I want to see what that dad bod can
1: do out there. Not buying your banjos around the campfire. Shove them up your ass. Hello
0: there. It's football into the F words. I'm your host, Michael Gillum. I'm also joined by Zach Lyons. That is two weeks in a row now that I've done that. I'm like throwing it out there like, oh, this is my podcast. But this I'm other your Ed
1: shows McMahon. Up. <laughs> you're your Johnny Carson's The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, and I'm Ed McMahon. I kind of think I prefer to be Andy Richter. You could be Conan O'Brien because you do have the quaffed hair, and I'll be Andy Richter, and I just sit at the end and you know just take my punishment from uh, Norm Macdonald.
0: That's really good because what's the what's the other one? Who was the drummer for? Um... Oh, uh,
1: Max uh, Weinberg. I mean, like, you know, or, or Paul who, Schaefer. Are you talking about Paul Schaefer for Paul Letterman? Schaefer. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, you know, who wants to be Paul Schaefer? Nobody. Nobody this wants to be Paul
1: Schaefer.
0: This is a He's disaster. A- 60 seconds in, and it's caused by me. I'm sorry about that. Uh, it, like I said, it's football and other efforts. We're here to talk about the Titans, who are seven and two at the halfway point. I, I literally cannot believe that they went four and oh on that run through the Bills, Chiefs, Colts, and Rams. At, at, I don't want to say that I'm surprised that they beat the Rams. I I feel like that it was stacked against them a little bit, just the way the injuries lay out. But damn, how many more times heck can we say on this podcast that when you expect the Titans not to step up and perform, they do exactly the opposite. When everyone picks against them, they do the exact opposite. And damn, if we didn't get what I kind of sneakily thought would happen, a fantastic defensive performance.
1: Well, let, let's be honest here. When you have a coach like Mike Vrabel, who is now who should have already be, been getting Coach of the Year uh, conversations in his previous stints as head coach of the Tennessee Titans in the previous years, you now hear his name being brought up as a Coach of the Year candidate. You're talking about a guy who's six all time among active coaches in win percentage right now. Um, he just he just wins players want to play for Mike Vrabel. I know that the media, he's a little rough around the edges and after a loss, even more so after a win for whatever reason, <laughs> but I get it. He he's he's very rough and gruff and you're not going to agree with every in-game decision. We haven't agreed with every in-game decision, but when you have a coach like Mike Vrabel, this is what happens and you know, it was funny. I think mike Tarika was the only national guy on television to actually pick the tennessee titans to win this game which was very odd to begin with you figured it would be a clean sweep of just rams everywhere and then i noticed a couple of people on twitter saying that nobody in the local media gave the tennessee titans a chance not so fast my friend and someone actually tagged us in this we said it last week on the pod Doesn't this feel just like a game the Tennessee Titans will go in and win just because that's who they are? And who they are as a team, when their back's against the wall, when nobody believes in them, they go out and beat a team like the Los Angeles Rams, who is probably the second or third best team in the NFC, a top five team in the entire NFL. I mean, if you're really looking at it, the Arizona Cardinals, the Green Bay Packers, and the LA Rams. I think the Cardinals are probably the best team in the NFC, but you can make a case for any of those guys. And clearly the Tennessee Titans are the best team in the AFC. Clearly that jets game feels so long ago that I often forget who we even lost to, you know, that that's what's funny about this is that if that is so long ago and this team is, looks so much different now, it's got a long ways to go for this team to actually be that, you know, perennial powerhouse that you want it to be, but it's, it's peaking at the right time. It got the wins it needed at the right time.
0: Yeah. So before we start talking about the Rams game, it, it, I I kind of want to lead into it, which obviously most football fans know, if you watched anything in the NFL on Sunday, I mean, what a wild Sunday it, red zone, At about one o'clock leading into what he calls the witching hour into the the second games was so fucking good.
1: It was so damn good. It's a lot better than those afternoon games. Those afternoon games were dreadful.
0: The afternoon games were terrible. I wouldn't run errands, but um, so the Raiders lose. The Bills lose in a sloppy, gross game to the Jaguars, to where Josh Allen sacked, fumbled. Uh, annihilated through Josh Allen into the stands. I mean Josh Allen had things against Josh Allen. It, it just doesn't make sense. He sacked listen, him. He said he was to too
1: tired to talk shit. Josh Allen of the Jaguars said he was too uh, tired to talk shit to Josh Allen of the Bills. And I'm thinking best game of his career by the way ever is Josh Allen against Josh Allen. But he didn't he was he it was such a good game for him and he wasn't used to playing that well. That he was too tired to talk shit. That is insane. <laughs> so just talking shit all damn day.
0: Yeah, just everything leading into it to where the AFC teams that you needed to lose lost with the Bengals, the Bills, the Raiders. Unfortunately, the Ravens were able to pull it out, but they were in a shootout all day with the Vikings. The Dolphins beat the Texans, not that it really matters, but just yet another AFC South loss. So leading into it, it was like, you could go either way. It was the perfect setup for, oh shit, the Rams are another playoff team that are looking hot and could end up losing a game they don't need to, or probably shouldn't, or it could be the opposite. The Titans are coming in now, basically still is the AFC one seed. And are they just going to shit the bed? And from the absolute start of the game, the Titans defense looked phenomenal. Now we'll say in our chat, I was again, quick to throw out there. Damn. I think the Titans defense is going to get tired. If they keep having to
1: I, stay I out on the them. field.
0: Yeah. If they stay on the field. Cause the Titans offense was not moving the ball. We'll get to that in just a moment, but I just don't know what else to say about this defense. I mean, for, let's start with Jeffrey Simmons. Like I'm starting to develop undue feelings for this man. Like I'm afraid I'm going to start sending flowers or alcohol, or something inappropriate to the facility to give this man. He's really like, dude, what's with this guy?
1: Well, Aaron Donald has been the leader in pressures for defensive tackles for the last five straight seasons. Um, Just constantly getting pressures. Currently, Jeffrey Simmons, after that game, leads all defensive tackles with 42 total pressures. This man is putting on a clinic, and if you go back and remember what, and I brought this up a couple of weeks ago during that whole Vita Ve fiasco that people just, you know, and Jeffrey Simmons needs to do better. Um, the people who obviously don't know anything that, about football and how they view it and watch it. A lot of the general managers, when they did a poll of 50, like general managers and executives and everything, I think it was Kevin Seifert did it. The, when they, And they were ranking all the positions. Jeffrey Simmons came in a little low in my taste, but... He was getting a lot of love, and a lot of people said that outside of Aaron Donald, he's probably the best defensive tackle in the, in the NFL, and it's showing. I'm not saying that he's Aaron Donald, and look, I said a couple weeks ago, you don't need him to be Aaron Donald. You need him to be Jeffrey Simmons, and you know Aaron Donald is a generational player. Can he be better than Aaron Donald right now? Sure. Can he be better than the Aaron Donald that you're seeing that's been in the league since 2014? Sure. I mean, Aaron Donald's 30. Maybe from this is the point where Jeffrey Simmons is going to be better than Aaron Donald or contend with Aaron Donald for best defensive tackle in the league every year. He's still not Aaron Donald. And... I'm I, I, I appreciate Jeffrey Simmons for what he is and what he is, is a, just a wrecking crew. He embarrassed. I believe it was Rob Havenstein just pushed him like it was Yum. nothing. I mean a pure bull rush. That was ridiculous. And they're doing this. Jeffrey Simmons is doing this by winning matchups. This whole defensive line is doing it by winning matchups. They're not blitzing. So they're not sending in extra rushers. Um, and they're doing that and generating this pressure without sending extra rushers. So that means that these players, Danico Autry, Harold Landry, Jeffrey Simmons, Bud Dupree are winning their matchups, which is something that Tennessee Titans have been able to do on a consistent weekly basis for probably since the Tony Brown, Kyle Bosch, Albert Hainsworth era. I mean, you talk about those guys this is – it's ridiculous and because all five sacks from this past week, and, of course, Jeffrey Simmons had three of them, was with four-man pass rushes, which is tied for most in a game by any defense this season. So that's what they're doing is you're seeing it that without blitzing this season, they have the most sacks with 19, and they have the, the second-highest pressure percentage, which is 30%, without blitzing. it's it's just it changes so much for this defense that these four guys without extra help are generating enough pressure to terrorize the opposing quarterbacks. And you saw that with Matt Stafford, who has never in his career beaten the Tennessee Titans. Which is unreal. I can't even I can't
0: find the stat now, so I'm not gonna try to butcher it here. And I'll I'll put a bookmark in that look for in just a moment. But what I do want to go back to is that what you were saying about the front four, they're creating so many problems up front that it is, it's is—it's leaked into the secondary now to where it's, it's helping out the secondary. Boren, Jonathan Boren, we were doing Sunday Night Roundtable uh, brought to you by Broadway Sports Media, by the way, after the game each week. Go to um, YouTube
1: and Facebook and turn yeah. on the alerts there because Twitter is a bitch and does not allow StreamYard or Restream to interface with its system anymore. So Twitter users cannot leave comments. Do not go to Twitter. Turn on your alerts for YouTube or Facebook for all things Broadway Sports Media.
0: It irks the hell out of me because you can see that there's like 90 people watching that you like four comments. It's like when it used to be filled with comments anyways. But um, this has turned... Last year, the bend, don't break defense was a joke. It became a running joke, especially in our chat about, oh, well, here comes the point where they bend, break, shatter, and get thrown under the stands. The bend, don't break defense is actually working. I mean, for the majority of the game, the final score of 16 for the Rams does not do justice what this Titans defense did. It was 28 to nine for a while leading into the end half of this game. The Rams only had nine points on the game, and that was due to the fact, that this Titans defense was allowing them bend, giving them some room. But once they got in the red zone, that shit was shut down. Now you combine with that, obviously that the, uh, turnovers, Kevin Byard had a, just another hell of a game. His return to prominence, his return to glory 2021 train is, is really off to a good start. Did you also know that was his first pick six in his career?
1: Was it? Yes. That doesn't seem right, it but it does I mean, not I trust sound right, that. but.
0: They said it on Sunday night football and then well, we looked I don't it know up. if you can trust them. Did you look oh, it up? God, I'm gonna get to that, <laughs> trust me, in a fucking field day with that one. But according to Sunday night football, and then I looked it up afterwards, that's apparently his only
1: pick six. That's wild. I would never have guessed that. Yeah, and, and I hope I'm wrong on that, but, but nope, just, according to pro football reference, you're right. Wow. It's
0: weird. I, I don't know what to say. That's strange. But so just these all these things are coming together, and you're exactly right. This reminds me of the Kyle Vandenbosch days. This reminds me a little bit of the Javon Kirsch days where that defense was just so fucking nasty. And all of a sudden, it feels like it came out of nowhere. But if you're paying attention and the way this built up, especially at the beginning of the season, it's been coming. I, I know there was a podcast, and I feel like it was right before the Jets game, where you brought up that, it's there that the pieces just need to function correctly and this defense will get it together and holy shit, have they? I mean, they look fantastic.
1: Well, here, here's what I view it as is that you go back to last year. Horrible, horrible defense, right? But everything that the staff said in those pressers and interviews basically was this is what they wanted to do last year when they had clowny. And Vic Beasley, except for nobody performed up to what they were supposed to be, like nobody's expectations. Then Odori Jackson went down, and you had to throw Jonathan Joseph out there, and then Christian Fulton was injured, and then all this stuff happened. This is what they wanted to try to do last year. This is why you the Ben and Don't Break and throw them in the sun didn't work last year. And it's working this year because they have the pieces in place to actually go out there and perform and actually care about football. Um you know, I talked last week about Owen, you know, people saying, oh, you, pe- we need to apologize to Kevin Byard and blah, blah, blah. I think I do owe an apology. And I think that apology is to Shane Bowen. And yeah. if, if if I know that Jim Schwartz's fingerprints are all over how a lot of this defensive line is lining up and all this stuff. But Shane Bowen, Jim Schwartz wasn't there last week. You know, Shane Bowen was. So Shane Bowen's calling the play. Shane Bowen's got a good grasp on what they want to do on defense. And you're talking about a guy who does not look 34 younger than me. I mean, everybody has seen me. This guy is younger than me and a defensive coordinator in the NFL. And, and I definitely am just was shocked when I heard that when he was that old or that young, I guess I should say, and he's killing it. I mean, he's truly killing it. And the other thing is, is that I know everybody wants to say offense, offense, offense in the NFL, but really defense has never gone away as being an important piece to a playoff team. And when you look ahead at this schedule, which don't know why people continue to ask Mike Vrabel, what he thinks about the schedule going forward, or is he, if he's peeking ahead at all this stuff, He's going to tell you what he's told you for the last four years that he doesn't, but I'll peek ahead for Mike Vrabel. And I am looking at a team that if they lose, it'd be very disappointing if they lose to one of these teams. Maybe Pittsburgh is their toughest one. New England's their toughest two. I don't see any reason why your expectations shouldn't be set at, okay, they're either going to go, they're going to lose one game where they're going to go undefeated the rest of the way. Because you look at it, you got Trevor Simeon and Taysom Hill coming up at home, Texans at home. You're in New England, then Jack, by week, then Jacksonville at home, in Pittsburgh, San Francisco, which is probably one of the worst teams I watch play football on Saturday or on Sunday, the Miami Dolphins and the Texans. Okay, two losses at the max, but you're looking at just... Having a complete stranglehold on this AFC number one seed. And I think the Titans fans need to embrace this idea of thinking, like we talked about all years, that the expectations are Super Bowl, right? Right now, the Ravens are probably the second best team in the AFC. And if it wasn't for their fullback being a part of the passing game this past weekend, they probably wouldn't have won. This is, this is not a very good AFC team or AFC division conference. This is probably the weakest the AFC has ever been. But even if it was still a strong conference, because the Bills will probably rebound, you got to think, the, the Titans have most of these teams' numbers on a consistent basis. I, I just, right now, I mean, I've been saying it all year, my expectations of Super Bowl, I'm feeling pretty good about those expectations being met.
0: So expectations start to feel realistic now, and and that's the thing. It's 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 hard, especially when you combine leaving. God, my my God, I cannot talk anymore. When you talk about how the Tennessee Titans exited the 2020 season, definitely was disappointing. And then the first several games of of any NFL season, it's still hard to get a grasp on who is actually legit making a playoff run. This at the turning point of the season is when you can start to kind of get a peek at it. I'm not trying to be a naysayer here and say that the Titans could go completely ice cold. They could, but even if the Titans go ice cold, the schedule and the playoff scenarios are stacked in their favor. And that is in due. It's all in due part to the Titans getting their shit done in the first 10 weeks. So uh, nine weeks, I should say. So seven and two, looks and is so much more important now, it's easy to go back and look at this four game stretch and say exactly what we said, which was, look, you come out of this two and two, that's a win. But that four and O is so damn important now because, and I'll use this as an example now take it with a grain of salt. But if you want to see some interesting playoff scenarios, the New York times has a phenomenal um, playoff simulator that they put up each year. And I've got it up in front of me. The Titans could essentially lose out, and still essentially win the South. Now it drops their percentage of making the playoffs to like forty percent. So you would still need the AFC South to completely collapse. So what I'm saying is the Titans could almost shut it down right now and still win the AFC South. Obviously that's not ideal, right? But you can go in there and play with your di- different scenarios. And what I like is it's got a drop down box of if you want the Titans to have if, to get a buy, it will calculate what games that they absolutely have to win based on their win out scenarios for all the other teams it's like 100,000 simulations that they run so essentially you're looking at the Saints game, the Patriots game, the Steelers game are all must wins. You absolutely have to win those games. You win those it starts to look probable that they're going to gain a bye week even if things go out of their favor with the Colts and the Texans. So <clears throat> go there, check out the playoff scenario. It's fun to play with, but This is the time of the year where you can actually start to look at the playoffs and see if your team legitimately has a shot to make a run at it. You're exactly right about the bills. They could get hot again, but damn Josh Allen, that turnover factory that we used to joke about a couple of years ago, it's one game, but that Jaguars game suspiciously looked like the return of turnover. Josh Allen.
1: Well, that's what happens when you don't have any semblance <clears throat> of a balanced offense and you basically put the whole offense on one person's shoulders. I mean, yeah. they they don't have any dedication to the run game. And this would have been the perfect time to just lean on the run game, except for that they, they didn't. It's still a close game the whole way through, but they wanted right. Josh Allen to be Josh Allen. And sometimes you just have off days. And I think it was an off day for him. You know, that when you look at this stretch, it, this – it's so important because now the titans are 6 and 0 versus 2020 playoff teams. They only have one conference loss, which is due to the New York Jets. They're 3 and 0 in the AFC South. The you it's just that that stretch I just can't get over and be so impressed with what they were able to accomplish through that stretch with especially against the Rams without Derrick Henry. Taylor Lewan missed a few games in there. No Christian Fulton for most of these games. Jayon Brown missed a lot of these games, and he's back. Rashawn Evans missed the last two games. I mean, you talk about these these pieces on defense. No Nate Davis this past week. You got to remember, versus Aaron Donald and the Rams defense, (laughs) no Taylor Lewan. no Nate Davis. Two starting offensive linemen out, and... I think the offensive line did a pretty good job, specifically Aaron Brewer, who only allowed one pressure, and Aaron Donald lined up over him for most of the uh, snaps. Now, Aaron Donald moves around quite frequently, but for most of the snaps, it was over Aaron Brewer, and Aaron Brewer, I feel like, did a really good job. And you got to remember, also, let me add it again, no Julio for most of these games. So this was the first game Julio's back in a little bit. They're They're winning without a lot of the key pieces of this offense and of this defense. And those pieces are going to be backs, you know, as the season progresses. Look, this offense has some issues. It's personnel issues at this point. And, you know, it's hard to do anything when you have sloppy fart out there at left tackle and you have... um Aaron Brewer at right guard. And and listen, Aaron Brewer's filled in nicely. But then you have, you know, you're trying to get Adrian Peterson, who's only had three days of practice going. It's Deontay Foreman, Jeremy McNichols. You know, when you don't have time to throw the ball, when you don't have running lanes open, especially against a very, very good Los Angeles Rams defense, you're not going to get a lot of traction you're probably going to see a little bit of the same against the New Orleans Saints because the New Orleans Saints have a very very good defense but there's time for this offense to be course corrected sooner rather than later and match or or not hinder the defense right so last year it was if the defense could just be you know 20th right if the defense was just like 24th you know it'd be we, You could have seen the Tennessee Titans you know, go into the playoffs and make a deep run or something because the offense was so good. Now it's just that the offense, while it's still, I think, fourth in rushing and I think 15th in yards, while it's – and by the way, the highest scoring uh, team in the AFC is the Tennessee Titans. Once, once this gets up there, it will be fine. Once you get the offense a little bit more comfortable in all these – At some point, the offensive line is just going to have to stay healthy. You can't you can't keep rotating this offensive line like they are. And and listen, let's get sloppy fart out of off this team and put in. Let's get make sure that Kendall Lamb and Taylor Lewan are healthy and get them in there. Kendall Lamb is better than sloppy fart, and I am so sick of people acting like this is sloppy fart's first year in the NFL and he's some undrafted rookie. He's been in the NFL for forever and he has sucked at every stop in almost every game he's ever played. He has been a liability. He is not good. This is and spare me the oh he had to line up against Aaron Donald. So did undrafted free agent right guard Aaron Brewer. He had to go up against Aaron Donald and he did a 10 times better job than Sloppy Fart did. He has to be off this team. He you you cannot in good conscience, roll out sloppy fart against this New Orleans Saints defensive line and say that you like Ryan Tannehill as a staff. Because obviously you want him murdered (laughs) at some point. If you do not get Taylor Lewan and Kendall Lamb healthy this week, they need to be just like getting hamstring massages or whatever is going on with their knees and ankles. Get some, Get call Joe Rogan. Get some homeopathic remedies up and, you know, help strengthen these guys' bones.
0: Yeah, let's rub some crystals on nipples. Like, let's do what we need to do to get these knees back working. I got to hit on with the part you said about the, it's, it's about personnel for the Titans on offense to be able to correct these things. And you're so right, because I want to throw out two other comparisons. <clears throat> Excuse me. This is a rough time of the year for both the Chiefs and the Bills, namely the Chiefs, to discover – That holy shit, this offense is not working. The Chiefs are the most notable collapse because suddenly Patrick Mahomes not only looks mortal, he borderline looks like a bad quarterback. Now, I I say that with a caveat. We know he's not a bad quarterback. He's got ridiculous athletic talent. But suddenly his decision making about when he throws the passes, oh, the sidearm passes, I threw it between his legs. It was cute last year when they were winning and doing you know, ridiculous stuff. Suddenly this year, it doesn't look so good. The Bills with, with Josh Allen, again, it's one game. I've come around on Josh Allen. I actually end up, you know, I like him now, but Josh Allen looked like old Josh Allen. Josh Allen looked like 2017, 2018 Josh Allen against the Jaguars, throwing up terrible balls, turnover factory, you know, get, every time he gets sacked, he's trying to do something crazy with the ball and then he's like losing it. That's a bad, that's not a situation where you can necessarily fix that in a hurry to try to recover a season and march forward, not trying to make a prediction here, just trying to throw out a comparison to where on the Titans, it is more personnel related. I mean, Tannehill on Sunday, 19 for 27, 143 yards and a touchdown and interception, really nothing impressive. You could say that stat is either in a win or a loss. It's running back by committee, five for 29 for Foreman, seven for 24 for McNichols, Adrian Peterson, 10 for 21, had a touchdown, Um, which, by the way, if you're expecting Adrian Peterson to come back and rush for 100 yards, man, I just don't know what you were thinking. He's got to knock a little rust off, but it's running back by committee. The receiving core, it's hard to look at A.J. Brown's stats, five for 42. And not realize that he had a couple of crucial drops, and that's not something you need at AJ Brown right now. He can't have the drops leak back in. Jeff Swain is the only wideout that gets into the end zone, so those pieces right there for the Titans can be corrected. And frankly, that right there is enough when your defense is playing the way it is. You want the offense a little bit better, but the defense helped complement that. But again, I'll use the Chiefs and the Bills and even the Raiders is an example because Carr does not have a history of sustaining multiple games of having good production personnel issues aside that they've had over the last week, which have been unholy this, the Titans are in a good situation for where their offense is at right now, because pieces coming back and getting healthy will help that.
1: Yeah. You know, I don't think Adrian Peterson looked as bad as what people made him out to be. I mean, there, I saw a guy that looked a little bit uncomfortable, but still had a, I, I saw some little bit of burst. Now I'm not saying it was like, you know, Deontay Foreman burst because obviously Deontay Foreman was the better runner that night, but I saw a guy with no run lanes as well. You know, this, this, this team will be okay on offense. I am not, I'm not worried about this team at all. And you're right. I mean, you look at Kansas City. They should have lost that game if Aaron Rodgers was there. Yeah. I'm talking about they they barely, barely beat Green Bay with Jordan Love, and it was 13-7. to seven. This is not a – the Kansas City win is not an impressive win anymore in my book. I mean, now they still can course correct, but really – The Kansas city that you played is the only Kansas city you can play unless they somehow make it into the playoffs, which right now, no Colts, no, uh, Cleveland and no Kansas city. If the playoffs ended today, which is, uh, turns out to be a very good matchup for the Tennessee Titans. Um, but I, I I don't have the same concerns with this Tennessee Titans offense that I think a lot of the other people share. Um, just because I know, and it's a projection, right? I mean, you know, I could be totally wrong, but I feel like that this team is just had this, this offense is just having a really hard time gelling because nobody can stay healthy and it's just, you can't build a rhythm and you can't get comfortable with everybody constantly being in and out of the lineup. You know, David Questenberry can't get comfortable if whoever's next to him is just completely rotating in and out. Same with Ben Jones on both sides when Saffold goes down, or even when Saffold when, you know, the left tackle is goes down and then the center can go down at any point. It's just, it's been it's been rough, and then don't forget all the pass catchers. I mean, Julio Jones and Ryan Tannehill obviously still do not have the chemistry that you want to have. I still think there's some issues and trust of letting Julio Jones go full force with his hamstring issues, but they still had him out there, and he made some great plays. And let's not forget, A.J. Brown killed a lot of those drives, and one of the things that really pissed me off about this broadcast is that they obviously have did zero research on the Tennessee Titans. None. because. It is not uncharacteristic for AJ Brown to have drops. It is yeah. very characteristic of AJ Brown on a lot of games, and it happens like it's like a flood, right? If it happens, you know, once or twice, once in a game, it's so you can almost expect it's going to happen again. And it killed two or three drives this 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 last week, which could have helped get the offense more in rhythm. If the off if these if the personnel cannot execute the plays. Like the Jeremy McNichols uh, where he just got trucked. A.J. Brown was supposed to go out and make a block, and he did. Or he missed the opportunity he was, or he just didn't have the time to. Either way, he did not execute the play properly. When your players are not executing the play properly, whether it's blocking, whether it's dropping the passes, your offense is going to look sloppy. It's going to look rough. The, I think that the offense will get right and look better, obviously, with the defenses that it will face after the Saints game, it's going to have opportunities to rebound and gain confidence. I'm just – I have a hard time pulling the fire alarm and worried about it. And let me say this, I don't know if Derrick Henry would have done much more than what our running backs did because I think that this Rams defense is that good. So,
0: with A.J. Brown, I've actually got a theory, if you'll entertain me on this one. I will
1: always entertain you.
0: I think that Jalen Ramsey got under his skin early. And I think it bothered AJ Brown the whole game. And now, like you said, the drops are not necessarily uncharacteristic. They certainly are. you're exactly right. He drops one, you know, he's going to drop three. If he drops two or three, he's going to drop almost every single one that comes his way. For some reason, they come in floods and it'll be great for for multiple games. But I think that Ramsey got under his skin early. I think that him and DK Metcalf are very similar, but that we ended up with a better receiver because DK Metcalf cannot keep his cool. And that does not seem like a wide receiver room and a group in Seattle that wants or not once but is able to kind of coach each other in a cohesive unit of man, You can't let that shit bother you. We got to move on. This Titans team is something that I actually do believe can do that. And again, I am completely assuming here, but I got to think that Julio Jones after the game, Mike Vrabel after the game, talk to to A.J. Brown to tell him, look, man, hard heart. you, you got to move on. You can't let shit like that eat you up in the game because it affects your performance. And <clears throat> excuse me, that is what Jalen Ramsey does. I, I am not a Jalen Ramsey fan. I, I get that that personality type works. He is a freaky athletic. He's you know, a fantastic player but the man bitches and moans about every call, every play, plays dirty, but it works in his favor. It gets under receiver's skin, and when he gets under someone's skin, he knows he's taking the advantage and he can work. So, again, I I feel like with, with A.J. Brown, that's on that specific case for the Rams, I think they got under his skin a little bit. And if you want to just take it as a case study of comparing him to just DK Metcalf, You've got the better receiver because DK Metcalf cannot keep his cool. AJ Brown looks like he wants to lose his temper, but he doesn't. And whoever compared it to Andre Johnson, Cortland Finnegan, I, I feel like you're so right. At some point, and again, he plays for the Rams. I don't know how all, all the Titans are going to play them, but I would love to see an AJ Brown rip his helmet off and start punching him like Cortland Finnegan because that's exactly the size matchup. And what you want to see?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean Jalen Ramsey is very good. Uh, you know, he's yeah, obviously I mean, he's got. Phenomenal. You know, he's not everybody's cup of tea. I I like defensive players who can get under the offensive players' skins because you know that's a that's an asset. I mean, you saw Christian, like you said, Christian Fulton did it to DK Metcalf. Um. But and obviously. A.J. Brown is whatever was going on and being said between them. It went a little bit deeper than just that one thing, because you can tell here's A.J. Brown on Jalen Ramsey. I don't mind the chirping, but little things after the play, little dirty stuff. I'm not going for it. I'm not trying to fight nobody, but I'm not taking no shit, though. He has my number. If he wants to see me, that ain't no threat. And, you know, good on A.J., but that goes to show you that there was a lot more going on than just that one play that behind the scenes that Jalen Ramsey was doing to A.J. Brown that we just don't know the full extent of it. Um, I mean, the Rams game was just phenomenal. I mean, just totally phenomenal. And yeah, it was a defensive performance. It wasn't, you know, a lot of flashy offensive plays, but that, that will come. It will come. It'll be there. I'm not worried.
0: Okay. So I got to throw this out there verbally because like a child, this is, I remember things sometimes, but I know what we're forgetting that we got to talk about. We got to bring up Damon Arnett wrecking four rental cars. Okay. So oh, please that's remind what it me is. Yeah. At the end of the podcast, when we talk about this moron yeah. um, to wrap up with the Rams game. You, we've been hinting around it, but I got to get into this. Um, I tweeted this out and I stand by it. I, I, I don't want to clamor for national media attention that is something I used to do when I was younger, like it mattered. And I see a lot of Titans fans do this. I'm not going to overly beat you up for doing this Titans fans, but you got to get off that bandwagon. Don't worry about what the national media says about you in analysis and that kind of thing. I got to give this caveat though. When you're watching a, a crew like Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth cover your team, and it is obvious, <clears throat> excuse me, that they only did surface level evaluation, particularly on your defense. It's very frustrating. It, it, it seemed very obvious to me in the first half of this football game that the NBC crew, particularly Al Michaels and Collinsworth, came in and expected a blowout. And once the Titans defense started to perform, about the only damn word they could get out of their mouth for the first 30 minutes of the game was, like, it's stunning. It's just stunning. It's like, if you've been watching this team this year, particularly in the last three games, it's not really that stunning, man. I, I, is it fun to watch and stunning as a Titans fan? Yes, it's fun. But from a national standpoint, this really isn't a huge surprise from anyone who covers the Titans with any ounce of credibility. I mean, credibility is not the right word. If you're paying attention even a little bit, you would have seen a little bit of this coming, or at least had something to talk about. It really drove me nuts that you could tell at halftime they had to do some scrambling to have something else to talk about. I want to I want to back up to this point though, because it's what drives me nuts, especially with like Chris Collinsworth. I, I am the first one to call myself out guilty for bloviating about things when you forget what you're talking about in a topic, or you really only have a surface-level understanding of something. So you kind of go a little ham on your feelings about something. That being said. It drove me nuts at every single time. Like the Rams had some sort of ounce of rhythm on offense. Like here it comes. It's that Sean McVay, just genius offense getting fired up. It's like, no dude, like it's a first down. Okay. It was a reception for 28 yards. Like just stop with the hyperbole, pay a little bit of attention to the teams you're covering and stop with the damn hyperbole.
1: There was a late hit. This is my favorite but also least favorite moment of the Chris Collinsworth uh, broadcasting was there was a late hit that was a really late hit. And like, there was kind of a silence when he was at, when they were doing the replay and Chris Collinsworth just goes, "Mm." like (laughs) it makes this weird noise. And I'm like, what the fuck is he doing? I know
0: know exactly what you're talking about. So it was when Ryan Tannehill was hit out of bounds and look, arguably
1: it was a very fluffy roughing the passer hey, hitting the out the Titans of deserve ball. some calls thrown their way okay <laughs> yes. there's decades of evidence that we're owed I, I
0: said multiple times in the chat that's a terrible call and i'll fucking take it yeah. but um yeah i know exactly what you're talking about. that was the play that he goes well
1: and, then, but, yeah, mm-hmm. and, and he like, goes what is that he makes this sound? noise <laughs> like <laughs> why is nobody talking so I gotta I gotta bring up Vrabel.
0: I love so Vrabel particularly seems to be quite ornery after a win, <laughs> right? But one of the answers he gave that was so typical Mike Vrabel fashion was dead on accurate and very funny to me. He was asked about altering the call for Jalen Ramsey about uh, look look at this. Jalen Ramsey should have been thrown out of the game. He got two um, unsportsmanlike conduct calls the uh, officiating crew decided to change the second call. I'm sorry, correction. He got a second unnecessary roughness, unsportsmanlike um, uh, conduct call. They changed the first call and said that it was unnecessary roughness. So anyways, instead of being thrown out of the game, he was not, he was able to stay in. Vrabel had like a five-minute conversation on the sidelines with the, with the officials about it. And someone asked him at the press conference, you know, what'd you think about the officiating tonight? And he, in very typical fashion was like, yeah, I mean, look, I can't answer things like that. And you know why? Because he's going to get fined. He goes, tweet, uh, tweet at NFL officiating and see if they ever get you an answer back. And then I think he referenced, he was still waiting on an answer for something, but it's like, I love that with Mike Vrabel. It's like, he's like, no dude, they got a Twitter account. Just go tweet at him about it. I'm sure they will be so quick to get back to you. And he's dead on the officiating was particularly bad this week, leading into Monday Night Football. But I, I love Vrabel's answer on that. It's like, dude, they got a Twitter account. Just go at them on Twitter because I'm yeah. done discussing it.
1: <laughs> I love it. The uh, Here's the thing about begging for national attention. I think the players deserve some national attention. Yes. However, Titans fans, you guys can't handle national attention. And here's why. Because Brian Baldinger said that they the net, the front four of this defense needs a a nickname and a Nashville nickname. Who do you got? So basically what's your nicknames? And you guys suck at this. Because <laughs> I want to run through some of these. Grand Old Stoppery. Ugh. Oh. Give me a break. Oh the monsters of Broadway, the Broadway yeah. bullies, Bulls in Blue, which could be problematic if you say that too too quick. <laughs> the Mount Rushmore. Um, Music City Maulers. Big Jeff and the Sack Lunch Bunch. Sorry, Alan Matthews. I hate to bring that one up because I know you're listening. Nashville's Four Horsemen. Oh, that's original. Uh, Pass Rushville. What? Did you say the Sack Lunch Bunch. Yeah. The Clash of the Titans. Four Men and a Titan Truck. Uh, I, okay. Harold Landry and the Blue Notes, mm-hmm. the Vi, the Village people, Mount mm. Pass Rushmore. Someone goes, I do like the Village people. Like, why are you promoting this? <laughs> I already said that one. And someone said, can we still Smashville from the Preds? Let's see, Visa Broadway. There's another Music City Mallers. Harold Landry and the Council. What? I guess that's. I guess that's probably honor Landry, I guess is what they're Broadway bandits. I mean, you guys don't deserve national attention. I don't want the Tennessee Titans to get national attention. This is what you guys are going to send in the replies. The best one is Tennessee tickle monsters, just because of how ridiculous it is. And obviously a joke, but Tennessee tickle monsters is obviously the best one.
0: Out of all of them. I love Tennessee tickle monsters because it's very (laughs) stupid. I mean, it, it reminds me of when the Titans were trying to get a team name. I mean, do you know how close the Tennessee Titans came to being the Tennessee tornadoes? I'm not even getting like the, the way they were trying to decide on team names at the beginning and they were kind of holding votes for it. And then the tornado came through while the, you know, stadium was being constructed. And do we seriously call them the Tennessee Tornado? I mean, like, just, I'm so fucking glad that we didn't go with an, an ounce of any of these or the team-named descriptions. I mean, I'm okay terrible. with
1: Tennessee Tyrants or Tennessee Tyrants 2.0, but sure. it doesn't need a nickname. Is, no. I, I'm sure that today, Buck Rising is going to put out, on Tuesday, he's going to put out a poll with a few of these nicknames and <clears throat> say, well, which one is it? Because, you know, he's trying to get Fat Randy a nickname. He's already got a nickname. It's Fat Randy.
0: It's Fat Randy. Like, we're not calling Derrick Henry Steel Horse or Platinum Pony or – Bullitt, whatever,
1: Randy Bullet or whatever he was trying to put out there. I mean, God.
0: Just call them the Brass Ball Boys. There you go. Brass Ball Boys. The, br- the, the BBB. The Better Business Bureau, the Brass Ball Boys. So
1: <laughs> I really like the sack lunch gang or whatever just because it – Big Jeff know and the sack lunch bunch. So you <laughs> yes. actually like that one?
0: I like it just because <laughs> it sounds – like an RB group from the eighties or something. I don't know. I really like that. That's very stupid. Very <laughs> stupid. I sent you that thing where somebody called, um, 49ers head coach, Kyle Shanahan, Mark Tressman and Yeezys. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I love that. That was great. It was such an apt app. That, that, that and, um, the tweet where someone said that Matt Nagy can coach himself out of paperback. He just has to light it on fire. First were my two favorite, takedowns of coaches this past weekend.
0: Let's talk about Odell Beckham. Um, the Browns have decided to part ways with Odell, put him on waiver claims. He, he'll he clear waivers by the end of today, correct? Correct. This correct. is Tuesday.
1: It, so It, it it's kind of sounded like yesterday Pete Carroll made a kind of an old thing as of like you'll just have to see either the Odell, they're going to claim Odell, or they're going to go pretty hard for Odell to get him in Seattle. It's kind of how – Pete Carroll made it sound.
0: And they should. Russell Wilson has had this miraculous recovery from his, um, you know, boo-boo on his hand. It's a miracle. Which which required a press release and a recovery video set to the theme of succession. I'm so tired of this. I'm so tired of what really drives me nuts. And groups like uh, Bleacher Report are terrible about this. Well, they'll tweet out, a video of an athlete like warming up like a wide receiver catching balls off the jugs machine and they put that stupid like I don't even know what to call the emoji but it's like a, it's a it's a that face with the snot coming out of its nose or whatever oh, yeah. and
1: <laughs> it's like what's the it's the huff and puff or the, yeah, the huff you know. and
0: puff it's like it's like oh look at him. God he's just such a gruff athlete stop stop standing for these athletes when they put out recovery videos for a broken finger stop standing for athletes when they put out a workout video of them working on the jugs machine stop it okay and stop acting like it's the craziest thing you've ever seen when it's not the craziest thing you've ever seen all right that's out of my system um odell beckham should clear the waiver wire by the end of the day tuesday as we're recording this um, I'll just put this out there. Do the Titans have any realistic shot to get him? So should the Titans be going after him? Is it a piece that the Titans can afford? But what are your thoughts?
1: Okay, so if he goes unclaimed, the Odell is still getting paid for something million dollars by the I think it's 4.75 million dollars by the Browns. If someone now, someone picks them up and claims them, they have to abide by the original contract, which is 7.75 million. The Titans can't afford technically to claim them. Now, obviously they could claim them, then restructure some people or whatever. So that's the big hurdle because the Titans only have around $5 million, give or take a few hundred thousand in uh, cap space. So they obviously can't claim them without either cutting some people or restructuring someone. Yeah. Now, should they try to get him when he if he became a free agent and cleared waivers? Absolutely. If you're a playoff team, you should be looking at any kind of way, especially uh, Odell, who will probably be a cheap few week rental as far as you know, 10-week rental, unless you want to sign him to a multi-year deal before he becomes a free agent again. I mean, look at it that way. You're, you're renting a guy for 10 weeks you know, for the playoffs, 12 weeks, 13 weeks, whatever long it is. But you get the gist. You should be looking for him. Will they be kicking the tires on him? Absolutely. Absolutely. Spare me this idea that John Robinson would never entertain the idea of adding Odell Beckham Jr. to this locker room because of Ode- Odell is apparently a quote-unquote distraction and a quote-unquote headache. Let me say this. When players leave in a team unceremoniously like Odell has and you see all the Browns players except for one anonymous source who's probably the one player that doesn't want Odell, Baker Mayfield, say that they're going to miss him and he wasn't a problem and blah, blah, blah. I mean, Odell even tried to show up for work on Monday and they wouldn't even let him in. Like, give me a break that this is a pure Odell issue. This is a coddling a franchise quarterback issue. Odell was not the problem in Cleveland. Yeah, I get it. His dad shared a video that was a factual video, by the way, of Baker Mayfield just absolutely missing odell constantly just absolutely just looking like a shitty quarterback and sure baker and odell probably did not get along because baker sucks at being able to throw the ball to odell but odell is fine i i don't i this isn't new york giants you know partying and uh, the Caribbean or wherever he was at, you know, and all this stuff. This isn't that Odell from New York. I mean, Odell's obviously changed and all that kind of stuff. But to say that this isn't the type of guy that John Robinson would bring in, he would never entertain this idea. Oh, contraire, my friend, you're talking about a guy who signed Malcolm Butler the year after Malcolm Butler got benched at the Super Bowl for having a bad attitude or a lazy attitude at the practices leading up and gave him a huge multimillion dollar contract, he drafted Jeffrey Simmons, who has a checkered past in assaulting assault charges. We also know that he not only tried to he entertained the idea of adding Antonio Brown, who is probably at the time. Had m- way more baggage than Odell does right now. He had a significant amount of baggage at the yeah. time. Okay, and not only that, don't forget, Indomik and Sue—they actually took Indomik and Sue to the Southern to try to get him here. And Sue has a checkered little past as well attached to him. <laughs> they signed Vic Beasley, who had attitude problems. They drafted Isaiah Wilson, who had maturity issues, and it was apparently known amongst the scouting community. They kept Rashad Weaver on the team, who has assault allegations pending against him. They traded for Julio Jones, who at the time was kind of a malcontent wide receiver from, um, malcontent wide receiver over in Atlanta, who was taking days yeah. off, not showing up at practice. They just signed Adrian Peterson, by the way, who has some you know kid beaten issues in his past. And they also signed this offseason, Danico Autry, who has insurance fraud claims against him for burning his, for supposedly burning down his garage on purpose. And then they signed Bobby Hart as well and just started him, by the way. And Bobby Hart got basically had, he was so bad at his job that Bengals defensive linemen went after one game and tried to beat the shit out of him because he's such an asshole as well. So he's not only is he bad at his job, he's such an asshole in the locker room that they went and tried to beat the shit out of him after a game because he's he just would not quit talking shit about how good he was and how it's not his fault and blah, blah, blah. You're telling me that right now with how this offense is looking, that J-Rob with all of that, and I'm sure I'm missing like one or two other players or situations, all of that, Is it going to be interested and at least entertain the idea of adding Odell Beckham because he could disrupt the locker room? If you think that one player can come in here and disrupt this locker room, I think you got some issues beyond just not liking Odell. And I'm going to say something. Right now, if Odell came to this team... After what he saw this whole weekend of just disastrous quarterback performances and losses by contenders. If Odell came to this team, he would help the team. I think he would, because he's wanting a ring. He's ring chasing, right? He wants a ring. He is going to, he doesn't need 10 targets to be happy. He needs good targets and balls thrown on target to be happy and given a chance to make plays. You can get him five targets a game, and as long as they're on, they're in sync on target, and he does something with them, he's gonna be probably happy. Like, I don't think I think this is a much bigger issue than just oh he's not getting fed, oh he's he's a diva wide receiver, blah 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 blah. There's a lot more issues than that. The whole point of this is that you guys got to get a grip and only wanting little saints to come in here and fly down from heaven with their halos and play football here. You need some people with some edge on them. This team is filled with a lot of people with some edge on them, and John Robinson is not afraid to take chances like that. So to say that it's absolutely not in the realm of possibility that John Robinson is going to try and get Odell is just so ridiculously dumb and short-sighted that I just can't believe it. Actually, I I can with this fan base, but I shouldn't.
0: I can with this fan base, but I agree with you that it, it, again, assumption time. But I got to think that anywhere that Odell goes, he's going to try, he's going to A, try to show the Browns that you made a mistake trying to coddle Baker Mayfield. Now look what I'm doing. And they B, haven't you're even exact- paid Baker Mayfield, by the
1: way, yet. Yeah.
0: And they're already coddling him. Yeah. Not a good look. Those at home with Baker Mayfield commercials better get a lot more spicy. But Number two, you're exactly right. I really think that Odell would be perfectly happy with whatever targets he's given as long as it gives him an opportunity to look at getting a ring. So, you know, we'll see what happens, but you're dead on. This whole thing about, you know, the Titans would A, not be able to handle somebody with character issues or B, don't go after players like that. I mean, that's that's such a farce. It's, I would not be surprised if footage leaked out of Robinson and company like handstand working on a hot tub tub, you know, <laughs> tractor downtown with Vontez perfect at some point, <laughs> but uh, I just, the Titans, if they have the ability to go after him should take a shot at it because that's a whole of a one-year rental and a type of player that Tannehill could use, even if it's just in a, we're not completely synced up, but if you can get open, I'm going to get you a ball, you know? And, well, I mean, that's the kind of player he could be for you.
1: And that's the kind of passes that T- Tannehill likes to make, or the kind of passes that he's been <laughs> yeah. wanting. And look, I, I know that everybody's like, well, the targets, the targets, the targets." Can't guarantee that Julio's going to be there every game, so Odell could easily step in and and eat up some more targets that they needed. But we, we all saw the run game. You need to lean on the pass a little bit more. And I, I'm, I'm sorry to say. Marcus Johnson ain't it. Chester Rogers ain't it. If you are a Super Bowl team and want to be a Super Bowl team, go look at what Tampa Bay did last year when they signed Antonio Brown. Having three really great wide receivers really increases your chances of making the Super Bowl and winning the Super Bowl. Then if you add in Derrick Henry in the playoffs, which is a distinct possibility, you're looking at a team with A.J. Brown, Odell Beckham, Julio Jones, Derrick Henry in the playoffs. Why would you not want that? Because he is not going to be able to destroy a locker room in 12 weeks.
0: We've kind of held you all hostage a little bit today, but we got to discuss the Saints game. Saints are coming to town next weekend, or I should say this weekend against the Titans at noon um, with one Trevor Simeon as their starting quarterback. Now you say that almost with a giggle in the back of your throat, it was 25-41, 249, two touchdowns against the Falcons. Yeah, it's the Falcons, but the Falcons have kind of gotten their act together a little bit. Trevor Simeon didn't look as bad as I thought he was going to, but here's the thing with the Saints, and I stand by this wholeheartedly. Sean Payton has such a hard-on for getting Taysom Hill more and more involved in games. I truly believe that we could almost see a situation where Taysom Hill is going to take a hell of a lot more snaps under center. I could be completely wrong. Well, but don't he forget just, that.
1: Oh, sorry. Go ahead.
0: No, I I just, I mean, that's kind of my last thought on it is that Peyton loves Taysom Hill for whatever reason. So the Titans would love to see more Taysom Hill than Trevor Simeon for sure.
1: (laughs) Yeah. uh, Let me say this. I know that, you know, Trevor Simeon, who's familiar with Nashville and familiar with Tennessee because he was the future quarterback one here last year, according to a lot of people. Um, I know that he's this all-star, all-pro, this fantastic quarterback that everybody was so in love with, you know, you know they, oh, he's going to beat Logan Woodside and blah, 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 blah. Okay. This is the guy that couldn't beat out Logan Woodside that you're going up against. And then you got Taysom Hill, who can't even keep a stranglehold as the quarterback, too, in his own, after being paid, you know, all that money. You got to worry about this defense. And that's and you got to worry about containing Alvin Kamara. That was one of the things that I don't understand about the last two weeks of our opponents in the Colts and in the Rams. Why didn't they run more? Uh, we we still see a problem with the Tennessee Titans defense of setting the edge and stopping the run. Have no clue why they didn't stop more. So now you got A. K. and Melvin Ingram or Melvin Ingram. Mark Ingram coming in. You got to be able to stop the run. If you stop the run, you stop this offense. You got to do whatever you can to take Alvin Kamara out of the game and take him just completely wash him out and you got an easy road of the uh, on defense because the matchups are there for for you, for them. The the best wide receiver currently on the Saints because the Saints could technically go after Odell after he clears waivers is Marquez Callaway, And to me right now, you, could, you can guard these wide receivers one-on-one. This, with Trevor Simeon back there at quarterback as a sitting duck, and Taysom Hill, who's prone to be just make some shit-awful throws and decisions, there is no reason that this front four can't continue its pressure on this Saints offense. You just got to contain... Alvin Kamara and this offense has to generate long sustaining drives to keep and scoring drives, by the way, to keep them from having to turn to AK, right? You don't want them, you don't want to play it close where AK is a factor all game. Let force Trevor Simeon to have to air it out, force Taysom Hill to have to air it out and make mistakes. And that's how you win this game. You cannot put Bobby Hart out there, he will get destroyed. He is an awful left tackle and should not be in the league anymore. I I
0: really actually truly hope that they elevate someone, cut Bobby Hart this week something, because I agree with you. You can't put it back out there and I, I had heard the story similar to what you told about being chased out of locker and want to fight in the parking lot. I mean, I laugh about it, but that's not a great story. It's like, dude, if you're such an asshole in the locker room after playing terribly, what are you doing?
1: So oh, let me add this to that long list of people <laughs> that uh, this team would never consider on hiring or signing or whatever. Let's not forget, Mike Vrabel slammed Urban Meyer up against the wall by his by his throat. And he's a head coach for the Tennessee Titans. (laughs)
0: It's a group of scallywags. So does it help Titans defense? This is such a stupid question, but it it helps Titans defense to plan against Trevor Simeon, at least knowing a little bit about him by seeing him in person, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think it helps just a little bit. Um, I mean, it's just a totally different set of players that you go up against and stuff, so – I I think that when you look at it, this this should be a layup win for the Tennessee Titans. Now, is it going to be an easy win? Probably not, because I mean, like I said, this Saints defense is really really good. But you have to hope that with Julio Jones escaping this game healthier than you know he has previous games, and so you get another week of Julio Jones at practice. You get another week of AJ Brown at practice. You get Tannehill there. You know, you get a whole week of Adrian Peterson. You hope that this team is able to put it together on offense and negate the strength of this Saints team, which is its defense. Um, I'm very excited. The worst part about it is Jerome Boger is the – he's the crew. Yeah, and you got to remember that two years ago he missed a horrendous call. But you look at this team, you know, with Jack Rabbit coming over, we you should have everything that you need in your favor to be able to game plan and scheme for this Saints defense with Jack Rabbit, who was a big part of the Saints defense last year. Here, now there, I, I think that at this point, it's going to be up to the players to execute, and if the players on offense can execute. Enough. They don't have to execute at 2020 levels to beat the Saints team. If they could just execute better than what they did against the Rams, Tennessee Titans should win.
0: Let's discuss Damon Arnett before we let you go because I, I can't get out of here without discussing a man who wrecked four rental cars in four weeks. Damon Arnett, first round pick 2020 for the. I'm sorry, not a first round pick. He was a. Uh, yeah, he was taken 19th overall in the 2020 draft by the Raiders. As um, cut, he is the second high profile player to be cut by the Raiders. Obviously the rug situation is what it is. Um, Damon Harnett posted a video of him threatening somebody, threatening to kill somebody. It was reportedly an ex-girlfriend. I have no idea the gender of the person he was going after, but let me start with that. So he posts a video, I'm sorry, the video was apparently like a private DM that somebody got a hold of and put it out on a TikTok he's holding a gun, which looks like it's some sort of AR 15. And again, I'm not a gun enthusiast, but I got to point this out because it's ridiculous to me. Zach, have you ever heard the term mall ninja where people will buy like samurai swords, and big goofy looking knives yeah, and stuff yeah. at the mall. Cause it looked cool. But in real, real reality, what are you going to do with this thing? He's holding a gun that looks like a mall ninja gun. Like, he's got a forward grip on it. He has a flashlight attached to it with a laser pointer on top of the flashlight and this giant, what's called a barrel magazine that'll hold like 200 rounds and sticks out the side. In other words, this looks like someone went into a gun shop, had a ton of money, wanted a big gun, and the salesman just did a fucking number on him. This guy just looks like a fucking dumbass holding this thing. And then it comes out that, Apparently, they knew and were working through some issues with him, to quote Mike Mayock, and it it has come out that he wrecked four rental cars in 2020 in the span of a month. In four weeks, he wrecked four rental cars. I have not wrecked four of any cars. I don't think I've wrecked one car. I've had a fender bender, but... I just like, how do you wreck four cars? What rental car company after three weeks was like, here he comes again. Let's give him another set of keys because the last three weeks have gone so well for our company. Well, he's obviously
1: having to go to a bunch of different ones, right? I mean, there's so many rental car companies. He goes to one, trashes it, goes to another (laughs) one, trashes it, goes to the next one, trashes it. He's probably, you know, when people put up bad checks. You know, and they put it. You know, see oh, yeah, bad they write a badge check. check. His picture is probably at every rental car place now. He will probably never be able to, you know, rent a car again.
0: Enterprise Las Vegas has like a motif of him on the wall. Do
1: not rent to this man. And he's Pass part that. of everybody's training when you're the onboarding training now. Okay, when you see Damon Arnett, your new hire day one. If you see this guy, and his name is Damon Arnett. You are not allowed to rent him a car.
0: He's got two lawsuits against him. One of them is for sideswiping a woman in a car crash because apparently he realized he missed his turn to the Raiders facility and decided to rip a huge fucking U-turn in the middle of the road, sideswiped a woman. He apparently just got out, looked at the damage on her car and drove off. So she's suing him for like $900,000. And then he has another lawsuit from a valet at, I believe it's Aria, the casino in Las Vegas, to where he claims that they lost his car in the valet, but in in all reality, he lost his valet ticket. And he apparently got in the face of the valet, shoved him, spit in his face. Dude sucks. He's a fucking idiot, but notably cannot drive. Like, if I don't know if one of these rental car wrecks, ties in with the lawsuit wreck he's got, but he's potentially wrecked five vehicles. Like, bro, you're no longer on the team anymore, so you got plenty of time to think about and possibly take some driver training, but, oh, my God, the Raiders and their 2020 draft is an absolute disaster at this point.
1: Yeah. Unbelievable job by the Raiders to, you know, the Tennessee Titans have had a few draft issues here and there. But the collectiveness of this class between Damon Arnett and Henry Ruggs and their decisions to, to just, I, I just don't get the decision. I will never get the decision. And we talked about this. In fact, we try to, you know, create an app where should I, a player sends in a question, should I do this? And it just sends back, no. Yeah. Are you dumb? Get an Uber. You know, it's ridiculous of what these guys choose to do with their money. It, it just goes to show that no matter, you know, the, the NFL puts out these little, little programs about how to spend your money, how to do this, how to do that. You know, these rookie symposiums, right. And people ignore them. That's fine. You don't have to do everything the league tells you to do, but the best thing you can do when you sign a multi-million dollar contract is get a, some kind of financial manager to control your money and get someone that's not in your group of friends from college or from high school that, tell, that constantly puts you in situations of bad decisions to protect your career. Now, listen, Damon Arnett wasn't very good he, anyway. He wasn't a very good player. But now you're talking about a guy who probably won't get picked up anywhere and then you're talking about Henry Ruggs, whose life is pretty much over, and it kind of should be. I mean, I, I mean, I hate to be the guy that piles on Henry Ruggs, but you're talking about someone who got drunk, drove 156 miles per hour, and killed someone. Yep. He does not deserve to play football. He deserves to go to jail and spend time in jail. And I guess there's weapon charges on there now too, because he had a weapon in the car. I mean, like, I just, I, the decision making by players when they get millions of dollars will always continue to astound me and i think it's on to the nfl tries to to coach them up with the rookie symposiums i think the team's really got to carry that torch a little bit heavier and get these young men on a on the correct path to being professionals and to handle the pressure of the nfl and to handle a larger bank account than normal they they really I think the team's really got to start stepping up their game of helping these young men when they enter the league
0: oh but you can hear that that's the sound of me leaving a phone in another room and it's ringing and you can't do a fucking thing about it in <laughs> I, I did hear it I think you're so good. you're exactly right I mean I, I laugh about the Arnett situation but unfortunately you can see with Henry Ruggs it only takes another bad decision or two on top of the shit that Arnett was doing to turn into a horrific situation. I mean, you got
1: to remember Isaiah Wilson last year really had multiple chances to kill people. Yeah. And yeah. he's very lucky that he did.
0: Yeah, for sure. And so, you know, Vegas, someone pointed out on Twitter, it's not, not like it's an unobvious thing, but Vegas is a hell of a place to be a young millionaire. It is a city that is designed to take every dollar out of your wallet. I'm I'm not trying to besmirch the city of LA or Vegas when I say that, but the city is set up. Its main source of commerce is, is gambling and entertainment, both of which are they'll they'll take as much as you can give. And Vegas is the type of place that can turn out the lights on a multimillionaire very quickly. So that that's that's a that's a hard place for a young millionaire to believe to be and that's something that the raiders are going to struggle with for the rest of their career of evaluating young players that can actually come into this situation and be able to perform without the distractions that that city inherently provides. Now I say all that to say this, it's not, I'm not trying to make an excuse for anything Arnett or Ruggs did. At some point, you just have to not be a dumb human being and be able to function in society without making videos, threatening to kill someone or getting behind the wheel drunk and literally trying to put the, you know, gas pedal through the firewall. That being said, it's gonna take a lot for the Raiders to be able to evaluate talent, but also can come into a city that has an entire massive section of it that's dedicated to cars, women, gambling, whatever possible distraction you can have at any possible expense at any time of the night, four o'clock in the morning, you want to go do something stupid, you can in that city. So uh, good luck to the Raiders on that part, because that's going to be tough. And and I suspect that's not going to be the last player that we see that comes through Vegas that can't handle Vegas.
1: Yeah, definitely not. And, you know, unfortunate for Mike Mayock because he's someone that, you know, has always been pretty good in his draft peppers. He is just missing all over the place. And, you know, with Gruden gone, and I know they probably kept Mayock to have some stability. You got to expect that Mayock's going to be gone after this year too so they can have a fresh start because it was just a (laughs) terrible situation from the get-go. All right,
0: we've held you hostage for like 90 minutes 80 minutes or something at this point we really appreciate you listening as always um it's football Another F efforts we appreciate you tuning in like rate review subscribe share with your friends again we're brought to you by broadway sportsmedia.com it's been a glorious glorious weekend of football you've just been out